Are you ready for this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's been two weeks in coming. <sighs> Welcome back. Embracing myself. Oh, okay. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. It's a horror movie episode. We're a little bit out of order, but you can take this as our horror movie episode, which means next week will be our sci-fi episode, followed by fantasy. Fantasy, horror, sci-fi, in that order. Usually. It keeps us on a schedule. Yes, it does. It, it gives does. us some structure to work around. Yeah, and you know what? Then you're like, you know what? At least once a month, I'm going to get the genre I like. I was thinking we could add a book to the rotation. To replace movies? Or... Well, yeah, because I thought maybe we could do like or a... Or just every um, three weeks do a book. I thought we could put up a calendar of um, like monthly book club reads. And then we could discuss them at the end of the month. I think monthly book club would be yeah. a good cadence. And I could put them up ahead of time so you know exactly what we're going to read each month. Yeah. Because not everybody can read a 600-page book in a day, Rachel. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Kate hasn't mentioned how fast I read in several episodes. So I think she's slacking. You are slacking, Kate. <laughs> I haven't been ribbed about my, my reading speed and... Oh my gosh, ages. I forgot I could read that fast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't know it in the first place. Uh, but anyway, this is our horror movie, which some may argue is not a horror movie. But I think by the end of this, you will be convinced. And considering Matt can sit and watch just about any random shit I put up on the television, but it took us almost two weeks to get him to sit down and watch this, should tell you how traumatizing it is for young children. Um. Yeah, I, I had to work through some apparently repressed trauma <laughs> yes. to get myself to pay attention to the rest, <laughs> the second half of this movie. It was really <sighs> fun. I mean, I'm right there with you, right? I mean, there's a part at the end that I was like, oh, God, this part's coming. And I had to, like, prep. I'd be, like, ready because it's so much. And it was so hard to watch as a child. And I was subjected to it a lot. Because my sister, who is significantly older than me, really liked this movie. And she didn't feel like she could watch it alone because it was, quote, a children's movie. And she couldn't watch a children's movie without a child. So she would force me to sit with her and watch this movie. One of the hallmarks of trauma is a compulsion to perpetuate that trauma. I think we say that every episode. Maybe yeah. that should tell us something about it's the types of things life that lesson. we do. Well, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. We're passing on because someone's going to go brave little toaster. Guess I'll watch it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance. Well, I think it would be less traumatizing watching it as an adult with the expectation that horrifying things are going to happen. Yeah, that this is going to be one than, of those. Hey, six-year-old child. Yeah. Watch this movie. Yeah. If you go into it knowing this is a fucked up 80s children's movie, let's have some fun. As opposed to, I am a child, I am sitting here to be entertained, and what the right. actual the, fuck is happening? On the surface. Yeah. It's a... It's Homeward Bound mostly, with Appliances. It's a... It, that's exactly it. It's, it's Homeward, homeward bound, bound with, with appliances. appliances. It's a lighthearted adventure movie where a group goes on a quest to reunite with the person that they had a strong attachment to yeah. early in life. Yes. So a note on names. Well, you know, at first, 
Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. So a note on names before we get started. We are going to call the main human character the Master because that is his name and that is how he is referred to in this children's movie is the Master. And some I've seen in some sources where the toaster has become something of a non-binary icon Um, and I don't want to that's great. I'm like stoked. It's a toaster. Absolutely. It should be non-binary. <laughs> so we're going to be referring to it as they. Because I feel like they is more comfortable for me than it. And it feels dehumanizing in this context. So we're going to use they as much as possible. And I guess there's a scene in the book where they're confronted by several squirrels, a married couple of squirrels. Hold on. This is based on a book? This is based on a book. You didn't tell me this? This is based on a book. It's based on a novella by Thomas M. Dish, Dish, D-I-S-C-H. And it was written in 1980. Apparently in the book, one of the appliances is a um, oral irrigator. A water pick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. I don't know. They don't end up with the master in the book either. The water pick doesn't? No, I mean, the appliances don't. don't. The, the, we still get the big five. We get the the vacuum cleaner, which the article I was reading continuously referred to as the Hoover. So I just want you to point that out. Um, but in this one, it is a Kirby. <clears throat> in the movie, it's a Kirby. But they had the vacuum cleaner, the toaster, the lamp, the blanket, and the radio. Those okay. are our five. And I guess in the book, the lamp is insecure because it was a gift from a savings and loan bank. And it's afraid that if it hadn't been a gift, no one would have ever bought it. Interesting angle. <laughs> okay. I was reading one of the reviews and it was like, this is a book for an adult, but a very specific kind of an adult. And you know exactly who I'm talking to. You buy this book for your children and you read it for yourself. And I was like, I don't, I don't get it. You know what? I kind of get it. There is a children's book that I love dearly. And theoretically, it's a children's book, but it is not a children's book. And that is The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. Maybe we'll cover it on the podcast. Maybe. It's a really good book. It's a really sad book. And it's a children's book. But it's not a children's book. But in this case... It's a children's book in that there are some children and it's about a child's toy. Yeah. But that's But it's not... It. Yeah. I don't... I feel like this book would probably fall into... Um, what were you... The New Weird. This is probably The New Weird. It's so... I, I don't know. I haven't read it. I kind of want to read it now. Yeah. I was looking into... After we read Annihilation... Or after we... Sorry. After we watched Annihilation, 
I was looking into, oh, this is based on a book. So I looked into the book. And when I looked into the book, I found an article. So I looked it up. It's a book series. And when I was looking into this guy, Jeff Vandermeer, I found this long, uh, interesting article where Jeff Vandermeer was kind of being grouped with the uh, some other authors in that they're establishing this new genre called the new weird, which doesn't really fit into a lot of like the existing genres. And, and yeah, I, I would say a novel of brave little toaster yeah. would probably fit pretty well into new weird. Yeah, I would say so. If it's anything like the movie, which is pretty fucking weird. So we'll just get started with the movie, I guess. We, we I have... guess as far as the things you're focusing on. Yeah. we yeah. So Which is it, oh, it? It's like 30% the journey of these characters. Yeah. And 110% the, <laughs> <laughs> the horror of both the natural and urban world. Yeah. 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 Horror. That's what it is. So we've gotten away from going through the synopsis of movies um, un intentionally. But I think we're going to go through this one step by step because there's a lot to talk about. And I don't want to miss... In every single scene. I don't want to miss a single delicious crumb of what the fuck in this entire movie. So we're going to be going through it beat by beat. Are you ready? Beat one. <laughs> so we wake up, start the... Start our movie, and it's a sleepy morning at the cabin. And it's a cabin in the forest on the edge of this vast, empty wilderness. And all of the objects are just being objects. And then the lamp starts playing like a wake-up song. And this is John Lovitz. The lamp or the radio? Sorry, the radio. The radio is played by uh, John Lovitz. And he had gotten cast in Saturday Night Live think just shortly before this and so he was kind of like you know what thanks for inviting me to be in this but peace and they were like oh no 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 no. what if we could what if we did it in like all in one go so they brought him in and he what? did all of his voice work in one marathon session so every single thing that he did in this he did in one session wow yeah and he's got a lot of dialogue yeah, I'd say he probably says the most out of any character in the entire movie. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but we get the lamp versus the radio. They get like, we get the idea that tensions are high. I think that's what we're supposed to be getting here because the lamp and the radio are fighting. The radio is always antagonizing everybody yeah. in this like hyper sarcastic tone. <laughs> if you can assume that a radio is doing that on purpose, yes. Um, and they're cleaning. I'd say... I would say it's better to think of the radio as an anonymous radio, like, broadcaster voice. Yeah. Like, the person sitting behind the mic. Just, I know all these people, and I'm just going to be constantly throwing out uh, you know, references to all of these people in the world that I don't like. Yeah. But referring to them anonymously so that nobody can actually call me out directly for insulting people right yeah i don't know you yeah. know what so did the radio make up i guess the radio must have made up their voice and then later we get the tv and the tv has a face it has a person on the screen that interacts with the other appliances as the tv 
Did the TV make that person up or did they steal that image from someone and they can simulate, like simulate interaction using that person's face? Just That's a good question. These it, are the questions It may that be an me. amalgamation of multiple <clears throat> like broadcasters. Well, because later it like it does effects. It puts like it puts text up on the screen and it does all kinds. Anyway, we're going to get there. Yeah, that, that's oh, disconcerting. Are we going to get there? Yeah. yeah. So they're going to clean because they've got to keep the they've got to keep the cabin clean and spotless for the master because they don't want it to be dirty when the master gets home. And at this point, we don't know how long the master has been gone. In the book, apparently, it's like two years, three months. Oh, so they're just. They're, they're needy, needy appliances. They're just needy appliances. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know if that's the case here. I, we don't get a timeline as to how long they've been alone, except that the only clean part of the entire cabin is as high as they can reach. As high as Blanky, Blanky can reach. Blanky is the only thing that's been wiping the dust off the walls. Yeah. And everywhere above, like, or everywhere below, probably like three feet high on the walls yeah. is scrubbed clean and everything above that is dingy, dingy. and cobweb covered yeah and blanky is the childlike electric blanket and the blanket part is its body and then the dial the temperature dial is its face and i have so many conflicting feelings about this character because it's the most childlike character it's the most emotionally volatile character, but it's also the most emotionally mature character. Yes. I was going to say it's the most compassionate. Yeah. Like, like a child. Yeah. Because children are, for the most part, inherently compassionate. And I think you could take Blanky out of this movie and put it in a, a normal movie. And you'd be like, oh, that's a cool character. But considered in the context of the rest of the movie, Blanky is very... Um, it, unsettling. Blanky is unsettling because Blanky provides a massive contrast to the personality, the naivete, and compassion of Blanky versus the just stark um, adversarial nature yeah. of all of the environments that they encounter. Yeah. And just, yeah, the... The cruelty. Yeah, and the fact that Blanky seems unaffected, aware of, but unaffected by the inherent cruelty of the things around it. Because all of the other appliances are mean to Blanky, like actively mean to Blanky. Yeah. And Blanky's just like, well, you're my only friends. I don't have anybody else. And so I love you. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to, to see the best of with you. The world with love. Instead of giving back what I yeah. receive. I want the best for you, for the part of you that wants the best for you. <laughs> That's Blanky. And we also meet Kirby the vacuum cleaner, which Matt was like, how come he gets a name and nobody else does? But Kirby is a vacuum cleaner brand. Like Hoover is a vacuum right, even cleaner brand. Even though nobody else is referred to as their brand name. Yeah. I guess in the, in the book, the toaster is Sunbeam. Is a sunbeam toaster. Uh, I don't know. Interesting. Um, Kirby was, you know, it was ubiquitous. The Kirby vacuum cleaner salesmen were like a door-to-door -door thing. I have interacted with Kirby vacuum cleaners of this era, and they weigh approximately 175 pounds. 
Um, in fact, they are considered good still today because you don't, they press so hard on the carpet, they get stuff out that nothing else can because they are so fucking heavy. So I that's how I like to imagine this Kirby the vacuum cleaner. And he is our grumpy, traumatized, like... Oh, how, how did I describe him when we were watching it? It was something like... The classically the, toxic, the toxically classic, masculine character. The PTSD <laughs> suffering toxically masculine character. Yeah. Yeah. Of this of that like the old dude who's hard on the outside but supposedly soft on the inside, but really it's just like years of rot from never being able to fully express their emotions. Right. Because it's frowned upon. And this guy is voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft. Can we take a moment and recognize how badass that name is? <laughs> His name is Thurl Ravenscroft. And if you uh, have watched anything from like the 1950s through like the early 1990s and they had a bass voice that you were like, damn, that is a deep voice. How did they get their voice that deep? I guarantee you it was Thurl. If you watched The Hobbit, you know the deep voices they use for the goblins, the bass of the mm -hmm. goblin? Yeah. That's him? That's Thurl. I looked up the name Thurl to figure out what, what does it mean. Yeah. But basically it was only popular in the 1920s. Yeah. He was born in 1913 and he died in 2005. What? Can you, what that man saw? He went from World War One to the Y2K Horse bug. and carriage. Yeah. Uh, to the internet. No internal plumbing to... The World Wide Web. To the internet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. No wonder uh, he was... The iPhone. Yeah. The iPhone. He lasted until the iPhone. The iPhone came out in 2008. Oh, oh. I thought you said 2009. 2005. Okay. 2005. Yeah. Okay. Almost. Almost. He got he got to like the BlackBerry. Yeah. <laughs> the BlackBerry. Exactly. And this is our happy dance cleaning montage. Um, of, of the... It's... Oh, here's our daily rituals <laughs> do, do, that do, we do, practice do. in the cabin because we are alone, because the master is gone. We're cleaning for the master. And they hear a car. Blanky like perks up and he's like, I hear a car. <laughs> so they, they boost Blanky up into the attic and Blanky is looking out the attic window and he sees this car coming. And he sees it like it's actually coming to them. Right. And that there's kind of this wavy transition. Yes. And the colors get more saturated. Everything gets brighter and happier. The music changes. Yeah. And the master comes out of the car and he runs into he the house. He bounds like in slow motion. Blanky's floating down the, the stairs. Like he's so happy. He's literally floating. And, he and then. Ah! Yep. He embraces the master. And then, boop, the master disappears. No way. Psych. Yeah. We gotcha. Oh, my God. It should be noted that this is as far as our children have ever made it in this so, movie. Our son has a blanket. Yeah. And it is his blanket. Yes. He loves it. It goes everywhere. It has a name. He got to this far in the movie, which is like, Five minutes in, yeah, maybe ten minutes in, 
And he even got the hops. He was so excited. So our son doesn't sit still when he gets excited during a movie. He gets what we call the hops. And it's where he gets up and jumps up and down, literally hops, because he was so excited that this blanket was going to be reunited with its boy. And then when... And then it was taken from him. When it was ripped from him, he was like, hard pass and he walked out of the room and refused to watch the rest of this movie he was like i know what you're doing you're trying to fuck me up like you're fucked up and i am not here for it so he went to his room and played with stuffies yeah played with his stuffies so it was not the master as blanky would say (laughs) it was a lie and so blank and the car just drives on past down the road farther. Yeah, because yeah. it's just passing by on this road. And so Blinky starts crying. And it is like jarringly crying, like baby sobbing, with holding a picture of the master. And so Kirby and Blinky get in a fight for this picture. And it flies off and the picture frame breaks. Oh, no. And the air conditioner is like, well, yeah, guys. Haven't you figured it out yet? We've been abandoned. And they all get this immediate look like, oh, fuck the air conditioner. Like, man, the air conditioner is such an (laughs) asshole. And you know what makes this even worse, like even harder to stomach watching what the air conditioner is about to do is this is voiced by Phil Hartman. Bill Hartman voices the air conditioner. Phil Hartman was killed by his wife and then she killed herself. And it is tragic and horrible and not long before the after this, like less than 10 years after this. And so the air conditioner is like, don't you guys get it? He isn't coming back. And even if he did, we're all obsolete trash now. You're old. I'm old. I'm getting, they're literally going to open this window and shove me out the back. And then later get around to getting out and throwing me away. We're trash. We're done. Haven't you figured it out yet? And so they're like, you're just saying that because you can't move around. You just sit there in that wall all day. And he's like, I was designed to be stuck in the wall. (laughs) And as this has a literal meltdown where he starts like overheating. Like a seizure. Yeah. And has a seizure and then literally commits suicide, bangs himself around in the window until the wall cracks. And then the whole, his whole faceplate falls off. (laughs) And then. Somebody does drive up. They don't let Blanky up into the attic this time, but it's someone putting a for sale sign out in front of the thing, out in front of the cabin. And so this is the catalyst they needed. The air conditioner's cruel words and the near miss of thinking the master was coming and he wasn't actually coming. And then this cabin being for sale, they decide that what they need to do is go find the master. If he isn't going to come back for them, they're going to go after him. And they have a cheerful discussion about it. And we have a really cutesy little montage about them figuring out how to travel because the vacuum self-propelled so it can drive them, but they have to have something to ride on. And in the whole time, <laughs> the air conditions, air conditioners corpse. Corpse, corpse is in the background in the window with his faceplate hanging partially off. Well, they're just like, oh, we're going to try to ride in the refrigerator and stuff. Is the refrigerator alive? 
Did they unplug the refrigerator and then leave its dead body lying on the floor next to a skateboard? Well, it wouldn't be dead. Maybe it's been dead for a long time. <laughs> like their souls. <laughs> but they do eventually figure it out. They get a chair. I want to know what the limit to sentience is. At what point, like a lamp is sentient, a radio. So anything that requires electricity. So an electric blanket would be sentient, but a regular blanket would not be? Is the house sentient? Well, it it would be wired, but the house itself Maybe. Doesn't, have, doesn't have electricity. Maybe the distinction there is how they communicate. So anything powered by electricity can communicate with other things powered by electricity. Oh. But then like fully inanimate things like the house or a rock communicate in a different way and they are each completely unaware of the other's ability to communicate so like humans don't realize that the appliances can communicate the appliances don't realize that the house and the rocks and the road can communicate and they're all existing in these parallel worlds where they can kind of observe the others but not interact with them directly okay okay well this is freaking <laughs> i don't me know out where to go from that <laughs> this is freaking me out a little bit so we're just gonna go back to the movie okay so they leave and they start singing a song and i've had this song stuck in my head for like three days i don't even know what to tell you about that oh i've had the worthless song stuck in Ugh. my head we'll get there but they're actually part of the words for this song is that like we're going to see the master, we're traveling through the countryside. Isn't this nice? The Kirby vacuum cleaner gets a funny line about oh, it's like a high pile shag carpet because it's like long grass. grass. Yeah. yeah, and they travel through like this is our golden period. It's meadows, it's flowers, it's not that bad. And night it's comes. a sunny forest. Yeah, night comes and they need to. They need to rest, and so they're all curled up, and no one will cuddle with the blanket because they're all assholes. He's literally the it is literally the cuddliest thing available to them, and they're all like, "No, gross! Don't touch me! You're so weird and baby-like." Why is the electric blanket like a baby? Because blankies are typically associated with like, probably babies. Yeah, maybe. But then we get to the. The meadow, the oasis, the pond scene with the frog and the wildlife. And oh boy. And they are, this, I don't know this, why, but this, this is one of the me. freakiest scenes to me. Okay, this reminds me of the song, Pumped Up Kicks. Oh, a little bit. Yes. Where the melody, the music is happy and bouncy and bright. But then you listen to the lyrics. And you're like, what the actual shit is happening? And it's like a school yeah. shooting. Yeah. 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 A, a little bit. I don't know why, but I find this scene very jarring, like very difficult. Maybe because I know what's happening. I don't know. You're waiting for the other shoe to fall this entire scene because it's weird. They roll up on this pond and everyone's like dropping the beat. It's like the blue man group, but little tiny furry animals. They're all like knocking out a beat on like reeds and 
stumps and stuff. And they're like doing a choreographed swimming routine while trying to eat this this worm that's also trying to get away. And at first, Blanky is making friends with some mice, but then the the mice are trying to drag Blanky into their hole so they can eat it. It's really weird. This scene's really weird. And to like to really culminate it all, like the the real chef's kiss at the moment at the end of this is the toaster runs off to have be alone for a moment and this beautiful flower sees its reflection in the toaster's side in toaster's back yeah Yeah. and the toaster's like oh no no that's just your reflection that's not but the flower is seeing everything that it desires in a partner yeah in the reflection off of toaster Right. And Toaster's like, no, no, it's not real. That's you're just seeing what you want to see. And so Toaster, and so Toaster just yeats out yeah, of there. Toaster's like, well, this is weird. And leaves. And the flower, the, all the flower knows is that it was rejected yeah, by and, its most ideal mate. And it dies of sadness. The flower it literally dies of wilts sadness. in a minute <laughs> because it was rejected. So weird. And it's right after this, like, poppy fun kind of traditional children's scene where we have these anthropomorphized animals who are singing and dancing and doing all of this choreographed stuff and then we get this moment where this flower which is spotlit by like a beam of sunlight wilts and dies of sadness because they were rejected by the thing they wanted most Kind of like our appliances. The thing that they held in the highest regard. Yeah. Rejected them. Yeah. So they're like, oh, that was a weird drug trip. Let's continue on our mission. So they head into this giant, scary forest while mocking Blanky for having feelings. Because if there's anything we love to do in 80s movies, it's bl- it's mock the emotive character for being emotive. Okay. So I only noticed or remarked one character that they actually gave like a pronoun to and lamp referred to blanky as he oh and there may have been other instances but i didn't notice them i was kind of listening out for it because we were talking about how toaster is they yeah but then just to add on to what you were saying they make fun of the like only male named like male <laughs> pronoun character for being emotive. Oh, like wow! Just adding can insult you, insult there. Can you make this a little more toxic? No, no, we couldn't. I mean, if we'd made it more toxic, we oh wait, we did show it to children. Mm. Um, I would say. The only thing that could make this movie more horrifying is to make it a tragedy. Oh. Whereas ultimately, (laughs) ultimately it's a comedy. Yeah, because it ends happily. In the technical sense, because a bad thing happens and things get better. Yeah. Whereas if it was a tragedy, bad things happen and they get worse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's true. We we do trend upward. We have some peaks and valleys. We're we're trending downward for a while, and then boom! <laughs> all all of a sudden, up. Happy ending. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Happy ending for the big five. Yeah, for the big five. Well, he goes back, uh, and I guess the 
the AC unit. Yeah, he goes back. Uh, you assume he fixed things up in the cabin. Somebody had to go fix stuff up or they wouldn't have been able to sell it because they kind of leave the cabin trashed. It depends on what the market was like at the time. <laughs> so after we head into this giant scary forest, they need somewhere to sleep because they're appliances and they sleep at night. So they're like, oh, it's scary, it's cold, it's dark. And Blanky is, after having made fun of Blanky for his feelings, Blanky makes them a tent. He throws himself over a branch, pins his corners down. I don't know how what he does. Maybe he has like fingers in each corner and he can just hold on it's to like stuff. It's like Spider-Man. It's like Spider-Man. He makes a tent. Let's just put it that way. And everyone's like, oh, thank you. No, nobody thanks him. They just climb in. And Toaster actually, like, pats Blanky on the head and is like, thank you for doing this. And Blanky's like, no problem. You guys are my best friends. What's the saddest sentence in the English language? You are not your best friend's best friend. Sorry, Blanky. But Toaster is trying, at least a little bit. Toaster is the only one who's, like, changing their behavior based on their experiences yeah and lampy is like yeah so which is why this movie is named after the toaster right because they are the only one that experiences growth except blanky who was already our sage character well they're the only one with a like character development arc yeah blanky stays blanky the whole time like the that's because it's the sage character the archetypal sage character has no upward growth there's no room to grow right you're already there. You're already facing a harsh, cruel world and facing it with dignity. Dignity and acceptance. Kind of con- you're always reaching out for the opportunity that compassion will be returned to you. Yeah. No matter how many times you get that rejected. hand has been slapped down. Yeah. And mocked and insulted. And allowed to blow away in the breeze. Oh, wait, we're not there yet. Okay, so then Lampy <laughs> Lampy, um, is like questioning Toaster's motives for being nice to Blanky, as if Blanky isn't using his, its actual body as a tent for them. Now Toaster is being mocked for being emotive yeah. and compassionate. Right. And Blanky's, or sorry, Toaster is just like, well, it kind of makes me feel good to not be a dick. And Lampy's like, yeah, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Falls asleep. And then we get. There's a little bit of a conversation about. It's fine. The warm feeling. They they try to existentially communicate. It's like being next to a fresh loaf of bread. You know that warm feeling you get inside, and Lampy's like, "No fucking idea." Yeah, okay, whatever. Ignite. He's like, "That's that warm, glowing feeling." Oh, a glow! I'm a light. I understand glowing. Okay, yeah. peace. Nice. They reminisce about the master a little bit about when Lampy's bulb got changed one time, and whatever. But then they go to sleep, and we get the clown nightmare. I had completely blocked this out. Had you? I had zero memory. I'm of pretty this sure I have scene. had this fucking nightmare at least once. And it starts with the little boy is in the kitchen and he puts a, some bread in the toaster and he toasts it. And when he pops it out and 
puts jam on it, sticks his tongue out, and then all of a sudden smoke starts pouring out of the top of the toaster. And the, the toaster smoke, is producing smoke. Yes, and the toaster smoke fills the room and then turns into a hand and grabs the master and rips him out into the darkness beyond the room, screaming. And then Toaster looks up because there's flames and there is a clown wearing a firefighter suit. And it leans Which, forward. Why? Did, wait, it leans forward and it just goes, run. run. What? With these creepy ass teeth. And so Toaster like runs and this wave of water comes after it and it turns into forks like the forks are going to go in the toaster. Like and people then, stick forks into the yeah, toaster. And to then get Toaster stuff out. is hanging from this bar over a bathtub, plugged in, and ends up falling <laughs> in, plugged in into the bathtub and getting electrocuted. What? What? Who put that in a kid's movie? There was actually, I think I put a post up about it on Instagram. One of the producers was like, hard pass, you guys. That's freaky as shit. We got to take that out. That part and the part at the end where the car commits suicide. He wanted that taken out. Why did you leave it in? Did you need it for runtime? We could have put in another musical number. That is wild. The clown going, run absolutely haunted my nightmares as a child and why did they put him in a firefighter's outfit why make him look like someone you're supposed to trust right. can you imagine a child during a fire and that's the only thing they can think about is that ugly clown that nasty looking clown and then they see someone in a firefighter suit yeah. and they hide they're gonna lose their ever-loving mind i would but he wakes up, and the reason he's been dreaming about electricity, I guess, is because there's a storm. And Blanky has blown away. And they are calling for Blanky because Blanky is lost in the storm. And they don't have any way to light the trees. And the battery is dead because we've been being useless with our, with our electricity. And so Lamp plugs himself into the battery, like stretches himself up, and gets struck by struck lightning. Struck by lightning, yep. To, quote, charge the battery. And then he falls over with his bulb broken, face blackened, body crushed, and the whole screen fades to black. And the only thing left on the screen is the image of the dead lamp. And the glowing battery. No, just the dead lamp. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So we see the glowing battery, and then we focus on the lamp, and yeah. it fades to black. Yeah. That's right. And then we come back the next day, and they're looking for Blanky, but the sun is shining, and at first we don't see the lamp. We only see the toaster. Right. And then Lamp sticks his head up from behind, and yeah. he's like, Blanky! He kind of has a hangover. Yeah, because he got struck by lightning. And they find Blanky. Blanky's in this tree. And they end up getting him down. In the book, I guess, it's this like this squirrel group that they meet up with. Who are the ones that confront them about what their genders are, I guess, in the book? and the What? Yes, and the appliances are like, um, we're appliances. We don't have genders. Because it's a, like a married couple, a squirrel married couple. Oh, okay. I don't, and it was written in 1980, and that was 50 years ago, and... I don't. I, I, that's that's as the limit of fifty three years ago. For it. Not fifty three, forty three. Forty three. Okay. Well, fifty sorry. was an exaggeration. I was. Don't push I was me. just going three off a of year you fifty, and I didn't do the math myself. That's fine. You're an engineer. I I may have 
done a couple shots before it came down. Did you? Yeah. Couldn't tell. All right, because you needed to get through the. I, the I gotta get through this ride. somehow. <laughs> I can't raw dog this. <laughs> I got to get some alcohol in my system. So I we, need. I need some psychic buffer here. Apparently, so we get to the waterfall, and this is another scene that. I remembered it being more horrifying, but watching it this time, it wasn't yes. so bad. Yes, yeah, so. I, I feel the same way. I've I felt like as a child, the waterfall scene was a lot scarier. Yeah, but watching it now was less. Less, but it's probably because that was like the only scene. There was some threshold of trauma. <laughs> And the waterfall scene was right below that threshold. Yeah. And like the other 75% of this movie was Above over it. that threshold. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, it taken out of context, it would have been worse. But compared to everything else, it wasn't so bad. Because Kirby runs up to the waterfall and Kirby has like a panic attack seizure where he starts eating his own cord. Because of the water. Because the Because wa- of the water. And they're trying to calm him down. But he has completely disassociated. Yeah. Then they're trying to calm him down by moving him like he's vacuuming. They're like long carpet vacuuming motions, like trying to get this vacuum, like bring him back from the edge. Put him back in something that feels like his daily routine. Right. And they they do. Like if he gets it together, and of course he has his immediate toxic male vacuum cleaner reaction to having had emotions in a public setting. Well, what are y'all sitting around here for watching me? Which is... Yelling at all of the characters and, and insulting them. them and gaslighting them, huzzah! But they decide, okay, well, we got to get over this. Even waterfall. Blanky, even Blanky, who he calls a little rag. I know, and Blanky's like, it's okay. I know you're having a hard time right now. I'm not okay with you insulting me, but I, I still love you because Blanky is our sage. <laughs> Uh, but they decide they're going to try to swing across the waterfall. And so they kind of tie all their cords together. And anyway, they get Toaster to the other side. And then toaster, toaster gets vertigo. Yeah, Toaster gets vertigo and ends up dropping the end of the cord. And they all fall into the water. And then Blanky just looks. To, he hears like a snapping sound. Kirby hears like a snapping sound. And he looks down and it's just his cord. And there's nothing attached to it. And all of his friends are gone. All of his friends who the last words he ever said to them were incredibly unkind. And so you see him back up from the edge. And we're kind of down below looking up at the ledge. So we don't see him once he backs up from the ledge. But then he approaches. So we think maybe he's leaving, going back. Yeah, but nope. He yeets himself off the side. and To follow them down the river. To follow them down the river. And he inflates his bag. So he's a flotation device. Yeah. And he ends up grabbing all of them, even Toaster. And Blanky's like, thank you. Thank you so much. And he's like, oh, I just slipped and fell in. (laughs) Blanky's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) Thank you so much. We've known you so long. We know you. And the radio said, says, like Roosevelt loved. Like Mrs. Roosevelt. Yeah, we love you like Mrs. Roosevelt loved her husband. This is a very interesting thing to include in Rachel, a children's movie. Rachel explained this reference to me because I didn't get it. Yeah. So depending on the Roosevelt we're talking about, and I'm just going to assume it's a joke. So we're talking about okay. the Roosevelt's right. like so Teddy Franklin Roosevelt. Delaro, Delano. Okay. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt and his wife loved each other. 
His first wife passed away, and he wrote in his journal, the light has gone out of my life. Yeah. But we're not talking about Teddy. We're talking this about- This is FDR. FDR. And his wife, Eleanor. Yes. Yeah. And they were married youngish or whatever, but they didn't end up having a love marriage. So Franklin had a mistress that he was with for a long time. And she had... an Eleanor. Eleanor had... had uh, several very good female friends that they, Franklin so had just, a house, a separate house built for Yes, them. He, he built her a whole separate house. I think he, they loved each other in a mutual respect kind of love. but a not platonic love. Uh, yeah, but not as husband and wife necessarily. Right. So the joke here is that they didn't love each other as husband <laughs> and wife. So the radio is saying, yeah, you're still a dick, is basically what the radio is saying, uh, to, to bring it to the end of Now that, that we're yeah. done unpacking that, <laughs> yeah. that reference. Yes. Uh, you wonder if um, John Lovitz um, ad-libbed. ad-libbed that. You got to imagine if he's in one long session, he could be punchy as fuck. He could just be saying whatever. And it's not like they can go back and fix it. He would right. be gone. Yeah. So we're back in the scary forest. I wonder only how now, much of the other dialogue had to be rewritten because John Levitz was just, just went nuts. throwing shit out. Who knows? And they're like, well, we can't change John he Levitz's gone. dialogue. We can only change everybody else's dialogue. Right. right. Well, we're back in the scary forest. And <laughs> somebody says, how could, how could things be worse? And they're like, they couldn't. I lied. Who says that? There's two characters that are talking, and they're like, oh, just when I thought things couldn't be worse. I think it's the radio and the lamp. Yeah, and he's like, they couldn't. I lied. This is literally as bad as it gets, because now they're in the scary forest, and it's a swamp, and they've lost their battery. And it's nighttime. And they've lost their battery and their chair, so they're having to pull the vacuum cleaner because it can't drive itself. It doesn't have like a means of driving without electricity, and it hits a root falls sideways and lands in the swamp and kirby is at first yelling at all of them like why did you, you guys can't drive who put you in charge and then as he starts to sink he's like no i don't want to die don't don't let me go don't let go because they're all tied together they right. all start they all have their power cords tied tight around him yeah so they all start slipping into the swamp one after the other they get pulled in one at a time <laughs> and Eventually, it's the radio is a tied to the toaster is tied to Blanky, and Blanky's getting sucked under the under the swamp. And toaster's it's like, okay. "Don't I'm let not go. afraid." Toaster's like, "Don't let go." And Blanky's like, "It's okay. I'm not scared because this blanket has accepted death." <laughs> what? This blanket knows it's gonna die, but it knows it lived a good life, and it's okay. It has approached every moment with sincerity. optimism and sincerity, and. So like, it's ready love. to go? Yeah. Yeah. This is a children's movie. And this electric blanket, voiced by a small little boy, by the way, uh, has accepted death. So you're all welcome. The toaster doesn't get a final line, but the radio does. It starts playing music. Yeah, the radio is kind of stuck halfway out, and it starts yeah. just playing radio music. Yeah, and eventually only its antenna is a is visible above the swamp. And as it starts sinking down into the mud, yoink! Yep. A hand. <laughs> pulls him out and then pulls all the rest of them out too. 
And this is the parts guy. This is this is one of the scenes that stuck with me the most. Yeah. Because I really liked taking things apart and putting them back together. Oh my again. god. I just So this scene <laughs> resonated with me as a child. You were like, how many have I killed? How many appliances have I killed? There was a an old um phone that I had in a box at my grandparents' house that I was allowed to take apart and reassemble as many times as I wanted. Yeah. And when I couldn't figure out how to put it back together, someone would help me. So by the time I was old enough to just start taking things apart on my own, generally I could figure out how to put them back together the right way. So I didn't really feel bad about taking something apart and not being able to put it back together yeah. again. It was more the betrayal uh, of someone taking apart a like functioning blender. Yeah. Just for the one part. Yeah. And now you have a broken blender. Right. On purpose. And that felt wrong to me. <laughs> Well, we get an attempt, an attempt at levity because the blanket just accepted its death. The radio was playing their final song. We were all prepared for these appliances to be lost in the swamp forever. And the parts guy is driving a monster truck. Like an actual monster Chubby, truck. Chubby, jolly parts guy. Yeah. So he tosses them all in the back of the truck and he takes them to his store, which is just called Parts. Which, it's not a repair shop. It's a parts shop. It's a shop. parts shop. And the first thing we establish when we get there is that the blender works and is alive. Because he blends up a drink and drinks it, grabs a handful of marshmallows, hears that there's a customer and walks out front. And the blender has a face. So the blender is alive. Please note that. The blender is alive during this scene. And Phil Hartman, who is also the voice of the creepy overhead lamp. Yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, light. he's modeled after that guy. Um, he shows up in a lot of old-timey horror movies. He's yeah. an arsenic and old lace um, yep. and a couple other ones. And he's modeled after him, but this is Phil Hartman. And this is when we get like a, oh, hey, guys, here, have a, have a light bulb. You're burned out, Mr. Lamp. I see that. Here, have a light bulb. We're nice. We're kind. We're not scary at all. And then the parts guy comes back because the guy needs a blender motor. And so the blender tries to hide. It runs away and hides behind something. And he ends up grabbing the blender and laying out like a sheet and then putting on these gloves. And he like snaps the gloves. And then in silhouette. Like, an, like a surgeon. Yeah. In silhouette, we see the blender getting put in a vice. And then you literally see the guy unscrewing it, unscrewing the bottom of it. He holds the screwdriver up like a knife and stabs it down onto yeah. the base of the upside down blender. Right. Like he's stabbing him to death and then takes takes the bottom off. And then we see in silhouette the a chunk getting pulled out and then he snip, yep. cuts it and off. And everybody winces. And puts it in a box and packs it neatly and whatever. Right. And then- all we see is this like low shot from the room where we can see the other, some other characters. And there's like a wire hanging into view. 
with like oil dripping down yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yes. Because this thing has been murdered, disemboweled. Yeah. In and front of left them. gory <laughs> in full view yes. of everyone dripping fluids right. onto the floor. And I love the touch of when we put the blender motor in the box and he wraps it up and puts the lid on it. It says blender motor, $5.95. So what's a life worth? $5.95. I mean, of course, this parts guy doesn't know that this thing is alive. So he's not aware that he's murdering something. But from the point of view of the other appliances, they just witnessed a crime. They just witnessed a functioning blender get killed. And they love the master so much because the master fixed them. The master was like you. He would- We find out at the end that the master is like, the boy is a tinkerer. He just fiddles around and fixes things. And that's why they like him because- He's kept all of them working for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get a nice creepy song to celebrate the moment. Because what follows up a murder better than like a jaunty ditty? Complete with a topless reel-to-reel tape player. Implied. Implied topless. I mean, it is topless. It's a reel-to-reel tape player. But it definitely has nipples. I'm just going to put that out there. It definitely has nipples. And it's like seductive. It's like... It's right, portrayed it's, as effeminate. Yeah. They knew what they were doing is what I'm saying. <clears throat> it's kind of a catchy tune. I'm not going to lie, but it's yeah, really a few scary. Of the, yeah, I would say most of the musical scenes in here are good. The musical scenes are not good. Okay. The songs, the songs are, good. are catchy. Yeah. Yeah. But after we just yeah. watched this thing get killed, we're like teasing them about how they're scared right, the, about it. This is the scene that firmly sets this into the body horror genre. Yeah. Yeah. And we're using the shadows as it's just really creepy and stuff happens and it's freaky. But then the parts guy comes back because the guy who got the blender motor now needs some radio tubes. Which the guy who voiced the customer, I don't know if they were like, hey, go get a. Go get Josh that works back in like facilities or whatever. (laughs) Um, Because we need someone to voice this character. Yeah. And everybody else here has voiced voiced a character already. It kind of feels the most deadpan. Could be. It kind of feels like a cameo. Like we would have known this voice at the time. Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because um, they end up escaping because they get in this like perambulator, this baby buggy. And they, like, freak out the parts guy and make him pass out. And as soon as he passes out, all the appliances are like, dip! And they all run out. <laughs> like the, yeah, and they, the, the refrigerator, refrigerator, which is alive in this This instance, refrigerator, this is, refrigerator alive, is alive. Breaks blasts through the wall. the door down. Yeah. In front of the customer. And the dog gets in the um, monster truck and drives away. Yep. Yeah. And this is another moment where it's supposed to be like, ha, ha, ha. It's so funny because after all that, the customer leans over, looks in the hole in the wall and is like, so you got any of them radio tubes? Did I catch you at a bad time? Did I catch you at a bad time? Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. It's so funny. Uh, but they finally made it to the city. Finally, after all of this. And now we, the viewer, finally get to see the master because he is packing for college. 
And we see the picture that they're carrying around where he's a little boy. And then we see pictures of him growing up. And now we see him with a graduating cap on. So he's getting ready to matriculate. Yep. I said throw in an SAT word. Would I be me if I didn't? No. And so the master is actually on his way to the cabin to get the appliances because he's going to be taking them with him to college. Getting ready to go to college. He just needs some basic appliances. This is another thing where it's similar to Homeward Bound because they're going they back for the dogs. They're each other. They're going back for the dogs. The dogs just don't know they're coming back for them. Side note, I tried watching Homeward Bound with the kids because I was like, oh, it's cute. There's animals. I remember it's a little sad, but... Whatever. I sobbed so hard through the entire movie. My daughter thought there was something wrong with me and kept bringing me tissues and trying to take care of me and figure out why I was crying so hard. I'll put that out there. (laughs) I am susceptible to romance, tragic romances and dog movies. I can't even watch the trailer for Hachi. Mm. But our favorite. I haven't seen it. Probably because you can't can't watch it. I can't. You'd have to watch it alone. Uh, But they do my favorite thing in the whole world. They look him up in the phone book. Oh, the phone book. Oh, the phone book. If you've listened to any of our Forever Night, you know, I think it's shown up in a couple of our movie episodes too, but the phone book was a place where everybody's name and phone number and address were published and they just gave them out to everybody. And if you didn't have a place to get it, don't worry. They gave it away at the grocery store. And if you went to a public phone booth, they just have one hanging in the phone booth. And that's the one they use. But they end up looking him up, which implies that they know his real name and they have still chosen to call him the master. Instead of like Robbie. Yeah, I think his name is Bob or something. Um, And they tear out the page, which this used to kill my dad in movies and television shows when, when they would tear out the page they the tear out book. the page to take it with them he'd be like now no one can look up that part no one can look up anything on that page anymore <laughs> you gotta replace the phone book now just wonderful sense of the injustice of having torn out a page in a public space this was the public phone booth this was right. the public phone book it's a public resource yeah you were defacing this public phone book yeah but he lives in apartment A113. We've seen A113 before. And this brings me back to the note that this is actually kind of considered a Pixar prototype movie. <clears throat> because we get our anthropomorphized inanimate objects. Not toys, but appliances. And actually, John Lasseter read the book and pitched the movie to Disney. So John Lasseter, Pixar John Lasseter, tried to get Disney to make this movie. And he said he pitched it so hard, he ended up actually alienating himself. And he was fired about 15 minutes after they rejected making this movie. Who John Lasseter was? Yeah. Wow. So this is the movie that got John Lasseter fired from Disney, which led to him being hired by Pixar So you can credit this movie with Toy Story, Toy Story 2, all the Pixar movies that John Lasseter was attached to. And what he wanted to do and the reason that Disney rejected it is he wanted to do a mixture of cell animation and computer animation. Uh, And they were like, "Um, that doesn't save us any money, so no. (laughs) 
<laughs> just because this it. is only about money right. rather than creating art. So this was this ended up getting made independently. This wasn't made as a Disney movie. It was made independently. And I don't know if that's why it's not streaming on the Disney channel, on the Disney streaming app, whatever, Disney Plus, um, or if it's because it's so absolutely wild. But this isn't streaming anywhere. It's not streaming on Disney. It's not streaming. You can't get this. The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. And the other sequel are on Disney, but not this one. Um, did Disney purchase the rights? I mean, they must have because they've made all the sequels. But anyway, so that's why this is A113. A113 is the like Easter egg, the Pixar Easter egg. It's in every Pixar movie. And the radio ends up getting them into the apartment because it knows the secret appliance code that the will knock. get them. The knock. The inter-appliance knock. Yeah. And so he does, and they open it, and uh, a lamp opens the door, and then tries to shut them out. And then we hear whispering, and they end up getting let in. And the appliances are like, well, we're so glad to be here. Thank you. So they go to the guy's room. They're looking around his room. This is a moment of relief. They've traveled so far. They did end up making it, thank goodness. And he... We hear that he used to come up every summer because now every summer as long as I can remember. Right. Because we go to the master at the cabin there to get them. And he's talking to his significant other, best friend, companion, whatever. And he's like, yeah, we used to come up every summer. We came up every summer for as long as I could remember. Does that mean this is the first summer he missed and that's how needy they are? Or has it really only been two years? And then we get another song, and this is the We Are the Cutting Edge of Technology one. With lots of electronic synthesizer Yes, very uh, Moogfest, lots of synthesizer. The My favorite one is the computer, talking about how, how good its graphics are. Mm-hmm. And then it, like, prints out from between its teeth. <laughs> the... Uh, <clears throat> I thought the computer, the shape of the computer was very skull-like. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. These are supposed to be nasty, modern appliances, not obsolete, but new and fresh and their replacements. This is supposed to be the things that replaced them and want to replace them. They want these old appliances gone because the because master- every appliance feels an urge, a compulsion to be needed by a person. That's the assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Except, well, even Kirby, but Kirby would never admit it. (laughs) He wouldn't admit it. He wouldn't admit it. And so the master gets into the cabin and he's like, oh my God, did somebody break in? Because during our jaunty try to figure out how to travel through the woods scene, we wrecked the entire cabin. And so he thinks somebody's broken in and stolen specifically these five appliances. (laughs) And as he's like, where's the toaster? We see the toaster get thrown out the window and into the dumpster. What about my vacuum cleaner? Kirby goes out the window. Every time he mentions an appliance, we see it getting thrown out into the dumpster. And now we come to the part that haunted little Rachel's nightmares for years. And I still get really wigged out around giant electromagnets. I just want everybody to know that. This is probably the source of several of my phobias and specifically the electromagnetic one. Definitely this. Because we go to the dump. And this is when we get the worthless song 
where this electromagnet is picking up these cars and dropping them on the crusher. And the crusher is turning these cars into... Little metal cubes. Little metal cubes. And I just want to read you some excerpts from the Worthless song. Well, hold on. Okay. The... I, I finally found the name. The customer that has like the really deadpan yeah. voice, whatever. The customer's name is Zeke and is voiced by Timothy Stack, who is the voice of the lamp. Oh, okay. But I don't know why that customer has what sounds like a really poorly acted everybody was on cocaine that is the only explanation for this entire all right anyway let's go ahead with the lyrics would you like to hear from the the jaunty tune (laughs) of the junkyard cars getting sacrificed to the chomping machine it's an earworm you hear it and you're like "Mm, worthless Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh shit it got me (laughs) (laughs) okay I can't take this kind of pressure. I must confess, one more dusty road would be just a road too long. Worthless. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't seem to get started. Don't have the heart to live in the fast lane, all that has passed and gone. Worthless. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Worthless. Pardon me while I panic. Worthless. 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 I come from KC, Missouri, and I got my kicks out on Route 66, every truck stop from Butte to M.O., Motown to Alabama, from Texarkana and east of Savannah, from Tampa to Old Kokomo. Worthless. I once ran the Indy 500. I must confess, I'm impressed how I did it. I wonder how close that I came. Now I get a sinking sensation. I was the top of the line, out of sight, out of mind. So much for fortune and fame. I took a man to a graveyard. I beg your pardon. It's quite hard enough. Just living with the stuff I have learned. Worthless. You're worthless. Wow. I skipped one. And it's the... uh, Each verse is a different car. Get up and go hit the highway. Yeah. Except notably for the last one where the car climbs onto the crusher belt himself. All by itself. Yes implying that this car is ready to be done. (laughs) All the while, our appliances are being chased by the magnet, which makes like a a really deep throbbing sound. I hate that sound. It is so difficult. I hate that sound. And uh, and the TV, though, is trying to save them. So the only one that didn't get trashed is the old TV from the cabin. There used to be a time when TVs cost so much money, you didn't buy a new one when you moved somewhere. You just, you took the old one with you everywhere you went. And so this TV got taken to the the new apartment. And it's trying to tell the master and companion where the things have gone, where the appliances have gone. Because they've gone out to this cabin and back in a day. So clearly this is a very short trip. Less than an hour? I don't know. An hour drive. Yeah, yeah, because they've gone and come back. And the TV's like, hey, I, you need to go to Eddie's whatever. Eddie's Disposal. Eddie's Disposal Emporium of really awesome cheap appliances. And so he pulls out a bunch of photos 
like Eddie's Emporium. He's like, oh, what? <laughs> one of them is a woman wearing a bikini. But in the original release, like the independent, when it was still an independent movie, it was a nude woman with stars over her nipples. So, you know, the old urban legend about how there was always sex in all these old movies. There you go. Is it an urban legend? Because it kind of feels it's, like it's not that much of an urban legend. Is it an urban legend if it's actually true? <laughs> and then we get our word. The worthless song is still going on. It's like interspersed in all of this. And they are almost on the crusher. They are have almost given up because this magnet keeps finding them and taking them back to the belt. And then the master shows up. Because he finally saw the TV. He finally decided to go check this place out. And then it's kind of a suspenseful thing where are, are, is he going to get, is he going to see them? Is he going to save right. them? He's just kind of aimlessly wandering around right. until he finds a picture of himself. That blink he dropped. And you're like, he goes, oh, look at this. Would you not be so freaked out if you went to the dump <laughs> and there was a picture of you on the ground well i'm a pretty popular guy so you are not (laughs) not like that it's so (laughs) weird and they keep running up almost to the master and then like falling over and looking like regular appliances because they're trying to be like look here we are and then laying down in front of him and then the master gets distracted yeah and he ends up picking them up like he finally starts to see them and he's leaving with them and the electromagnet is not having it because it's pissed. And so it does this thing where it comes into the frame as its eyes disappear. Stealth mode. Freaky as shit. That freaked me out. Because then it picks up the master. It dumps him on the crusher belt. And he gets trapped. Yeah, he gets trapped under a bunch of stuff. A bunch of car parts. And so Toaster jumps into the gears and sacrifices themselves to save the master. And then at the end, we see the master is tinkering. Everybody's happy. All the appliances are together. The master is tinkering at a workbench. And we discover that he has fixed toaster. And so in the end, it ends happy. They all end up with the master. Everyone is good. It's all fine. Everything's fine. The other appliances that are there didn't try to kill them or anything. And it's fine. It's perfectly fine. I guess in the book, though, they don't end up with the master. Because the reason he hasn't been going to the cabin anymore is because now there is the mistress, and the mistress doesn't like to go to the cabin. The mistress? Yeah. Oh. So he was planning on selling the cabin and the appliances all together. Because they used to... A furnished cabin. A furnished cabin. And so they end up giving themselves away on like a swap shop radio program. But the thing is, they have to go to somebody in need, and they all have to stay together. And so they end up going to someone in need all together and living happily ever after. <laughs> the look you're giving me right wow. now. So that is the sordid tale of the brave little toaster. There's murder, two suicides. Oh, he does fix the air conditioner. So yes. when the master goes back to the cabin, he does repair the air conditioner. And the air conditioner so, is like. He's just in a coma. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else watched this as a kid, but it hits different watching it as an adult versus as a child. But of course, we grew up in the era of the land before time. 
The yep. Brave Little Toaster. Mm-hmm. Some pretty fucked up children's movies. Did they not understand that children don't want to learn about death? You know what it always reminds me of? There's a line from The Crow. <laughs> where it the can't guy... rain all the time? No, not that one. <laughs> the one, the guy with the really long hair. I forget what his name is. They don't say his name very often, so it's hard to remember. The big evil bad guy. No, the big evil bad guy. And he has a ball, like a um, snow globe of a graveyard. And he's like, my father gave this to me when I was five. And he told me childhood is over. The moment you learn you're going to die. And I think about that line <laughs> every time I watch these movies. <laughs> because, I mean, we don't shelter children. We don't shelter our children, really, from the reality of like life and death and all that stuff. But it's certainly not something that I want to see in a children's We don't children's aggressively movie. confront them with it. Fern Gully, there's another good fucked up one. Anybody who was like, you know what, the only person who can voice this villain is Tim Curry, that should have been a clue. This was not a good idea. We shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Toxic Love, banging song, love it. Some of my favorite songs are in Fern Gully, but wow, what a movie. <laughs> Gotta do Fern Gully. We should do a whole children's movie series. Mm. All the fucked up children's movies from our childhood. Of course, we actually had like horror television shows that we could watch too, like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. And Goosebumps. Matt, uh, Matt's just nodding at me. Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Mack, what was the one? It was like the t- tale of Alex Mack or something. The one where she got... um. She got toxic waste dumped on her, and she could, like, turn into a liquid. I think she could become invisible, or she could move stuff with her mind. Yeah, I know the theme song was like, you'll never guess my secret identity. Yeah. The Secret World of Alex Mack. That's what that one was called. You don't have anything else to say about it? Mm, I don't know. I could read the chat GPT essay. There was The Secret of Nim. Oh, my gosh. Which stands for, what does NIM stand for? National Institute of Menstrual Health. <laughs> that was a good one about like evil rats and they live in a cinder block and they're all, all dogs go to heaven. How about a children's movie where the dog dies? It gets better. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. And you know what's really sad about no, that it, one too? Hold on. No, the dog comes back to life. Right. But the little girl. Who voices the little girl. She also voices Ducky in yes. The Land Before Time. And her dad killed her when she was like 10. And it's so sad. And that she's in like these two iconic movies. And that's it because she was gone. The Last Unicorn. That's a book. I w- I've been thinking about this. You guys are here with us. Let's have this conversation right now. Should we do a book and movie combos like the last unicorn by peter s beagle and then do the last unicorn you mean watch you know what i mean yeah watch and read and watch read and watch because like the brave little toaster it would have been interesting to read, read watch, the novella talk. read watch talk yeah it would have been interesting to read the novella and talk about that and then talk about the movie and talk about the differences we actually did that as an english class i was about to mention that <laughs> It's called film and literature. In college, Rachel and I almost broke up if I had 
Rachel and I would have broken up if I had had to take one more English class. That's true. Uh, but then we took film and literature together. Yes, because literally all we had to do was read the book and then watch the movie and then talk about the differences. So that was exactly yeah. what we did for that. We watched Big Fish. Do you want to see me blubber my way through a movie? Big Fish is another one. Yeah. And uh, Smoke Signals. Yeah, we did Smoke Signals. can't remember what other ones we did. Those are the only two I remember from that class. The Care Bear movie. We had a lot of the, our childhood was full of a lot of those ones that were like, hey guys, we're trying to sell some more toys. Who's ready for a movie? <laughs> merchandising, merchandising. Exactly. All right. Well, this feels like it's wound up to its natural conclusion. It took us two weeks to fully watch this movie. So I feel like we should probably be happy and done with it. We're at an hour and 20 minutes. That's pretty good. So we have an Instagram. It's up to 170-some-ish. And I'm going to be posting more, I swear. I'm probably, I don't know. You know what? I am who I am. You're here because I am who I am. Hopefully you've made it this far in this episode because I am who I am. So my time and my timelines are kind of my own. I am really bad about following through things on a time schedule. So you know what I'm going to say is I'm going to be authentic in the way that I use Instagram. And I hope you all appreciate that. We are on season two of Forever Night, which is very exciting. And I am almost caught up posting all of season one on the YouTube channel. So if you like YouTube as a way of listening to podcasts, or if you know somebody who likes to listen to podcasts, but only through YouTube, we now have a YouTube channel and almost all the Forever Night episodes are up on it. We also have a Patreon, which if we do do the book club, then we would be able to discuss the book in real time on the Discord, not just doing our monthly book episode. So that's something to think about. The lowest tier that gets you access to the Discord is only $5 a month. So, I mean, we try not to gatekeep around here. I really hope we don't. $5 doesn't feel like a gatekeep, but there's also a dollar tier, which is the lowest you can have. So, do you have anything you'd like to add? Nope. Okay. Thank you for that. All right, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.